welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. In the book of Revelation, we read of a situation that at first glance, well, it seems impossible. You know, the Bible says here in the book of Revelation that there was war in heaven. I know, seems hard to believe that that's what it says. Let's read about it. Revelation chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was there a place for them in heaven any longer. That great dragon was cast out, that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast down with him. War in heaven, the Bible says. It's strange that war should break out in the most holy place of heaven's sanctuary. God's throne is the last place you would expect a fight. But the throne was actually the focus of the battle. You see, what was at stake was possession of the throne. That was the issue. Two groups battled, the Bible says. The dragon and his angels and Michael and his angels. Well, the dragon, well, that's Satan, the devil. The Hebrew word for Michael means who is like God. Michael is just another name for Christ, the one who protects God's people in the time of trouble, and the one who guarantees the resurrection of the saints. So clearly the Bible states that this, this war in heaven was between Christ and Satan. First in heaven, and then on earth. Before this war in heaven, the Bible says that God created the entire universe through Jesus Christ. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we read, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. So if I, if I read this correctly, that means that Jesus, the creator, created Lucifer. Lucifer, who later became Satan. He created those angels who, who joined Satan in this cosmic controversy. Their rebellion was against Jesus, the one who gave them existence in the first place. Now, prior to this rebellion... Lucifer, which means the shining one, he stood there at God's throne. He was one anointed guardian cherub. Look at Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Here's what it says. You were the anointed cherub that covers, and I set you there. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So here we have Jesus creating Lucifer as much like himself as he could. 
Now, apparently, Lucifer even had his own throne because in Isaiah, it's noted that he says in chapter 14 and in verse 13, we'll, we'll just, just look. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the recesses of the north. So Lucifer, a created being, wants to raise his throne above the throne of God. He wants to be like the Most High. Now, how could this possibly be? A created being wanting to become as the Creator and sit on the Creator's throne? Now, why did Lucifer rebel and, and, and become the devil? You see, Lucifer thought he could become God, that he could sit on God's throne. In spite of the fact that it was Jesus who created him, it was Jesus who gave him everything, including the freedom of choice, he, it was Jesus who gave him a position as a leading cherubim right there at God's throne, and therefore, with great authority. In fact, Lucifer, well, he was the most exalted created being in all the universe. He should have been grateful. He should have known that the one who created him was the creator and not a created being. A creature, well, they can never become the creator. Lucifer's rebellion wasn't public at first. His rebellion started in his mind. In fact, that's exactly where all sin begins. You see, sin is not just the outward act. Sin is the inward thought also. Lucifer was becoming Satan in his mind long before he began to act it out externally. In 1 John uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, we read the following. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. The Bible here says that to hate someone, well, that's equivalent to murder. That's one of the reasons why Jesus called Lucifer a murderer and a liar right from the beginning. You see, Satan's jealousy and his hatred of Jesus causes him to launch this campaign of disinformation about who Jesus is amongst all the angels. Satan claimed himself a better choice to run heaven's government. His influence permeated paradise like a cancer. And according to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, one third of the angels succumbed to his deception. One third of the angels chose to cast their lot with Satan. You see, Satan, he wanted to take Christ's place. He wanted to be like Christ in position, but not like Christ in character. So the Bible says he was cast out of heaven. And so Satan now, after he's cast out, his focus 
shifts now to planet Earth. His focus now is to cause the human race to rebel against God. You see, Satan knew God had given all of his creatures, whether they were angelic or human, the freedom of choice. And it was the wrong exercise of this freedom that led Lucifer and his angels to rebel. Now, well, now he's about to use that exact same technique with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, made there in the image of God, they were free beings. They could converse with God. And God expected them to serve and to obey Him freely, well, out of love. But once again, the wrong exercise of freedom on the part of Adam and Eve led them, well, and with them, all of humanity to become subjects of sin, to become subjects of Satan. God knew that freedom, well, it was risky, but the risk was worth it. For at the end of history, every created being will choose freely to follow Jesus Christ forever. See, the Bible says that God warned Adam and Eve that they would die if they ate of that forbidden fruit from that forbidden tree. But the Bible says there in Genesis chapter 3 that Satan, in the form of a serpent, told Eve the exact opposite. Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Sadly, Eve doubted the word of her creator and accepted the word of her tempter. And thus, through Adam and Eve, sin entered the world, and all humanity falls prey to sin and its effects. Look at Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 12. There it says, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men, because all have sinned. Satan claimed the human race as his own. But Christ, well, he came to this world to win back this lost world. In the book of Job, it introduces us to this cosmic united nations where the atoms of different worlds would come to this cosmic council. These representatives, they come by virtue of the fact that they are leaders of one of these unfallen worlds. Christ created each of these worlds, and each of these atoms are so-called sons of God. We read about it in Job chapter 1 and in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and the adversary also came among them. You see, each has dominion over their world as, as, as Adam and Eve, well, they were given dominion over this world. 
but Adam and Eve lost their position. So the Bible says, so that Satan came in their place. Now, at this cosmic council, Christ asks Satan a question. Verse 8. And the Lord said to the adversary, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man who fears God and avoids evil? Bible says here that Job becomes the, a test case of one who freely followed Christ in this cosmic controversy. The book of Job unravels the drama that ensues and one imagines that angels and all of the inhabitants of all the other worlds watch to see whether or not Job would stay true to Jesus Christ. And Christ allows Satan to cause Job's family and Job's possessions to be taken away through, through death and and destruction, but, but rather than blame God, look at what Job says, verses 20 and through 22. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin and did not accuse God of wrongdoing. At another meeting of this council, Christ again asks Satan about Job. And, and Satan replies in Job chapter 2 at verse 4. The adversary answered the Lord saying, skin for skin, yes. All that a man has, he will give for his life. Put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So once again, Jesus permits Satan to test Job. But through it all, Job remained faithful to Jesus. You see, Job is, is a type of all of those who in the end will be saved. Each one witnesses to the universe about the justice of God. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he had it right when he wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, so that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he completed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the biblical worldview is far more than human salvation. It's about a cosmic controversy of which human salvation is definitely a part. You see, it's easy for us to think that everything centers on this world. In a sense, I, in a way that's true because this is the theater in which this controversy is unfolding. But the interest in what happens here is not confined to this world and heaven. Unfallen angels, they view the course of this controversy on this planet Earth 
with great interest. When Jesus became a helpless babe, dependent on humans, Satan must have exalted in his advantage over him. He must have wanted to wrench back his position in heaven by defeating Christ. That's why he tempted Jesus. I mean, you know the story after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was physically exhausted. We read about it in Matthew chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall lift you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is also written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their grandeur and said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Get away from here, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You see, that last temptation, that provides some invaluable insight into what this cosmic controversy is all about. Satan wants to be worshipped. He wants to take that prerogative that belongs only to Jesus Christ and the Godhead. Satan has always wanted to be like God. In the trials and and the crucifixion of Jesus, we find the climax of this cosmic controversy between Christ and Satan. When properly understood, the destiny of the world hung there in the balance at Gethsemane and at the cross. The temptations endured during those crises can only be glimpsed. They can never be truly fully understood by us. Amid the anguish and the shame of crucifixion, carrying the crushing weight of the world's sin, the mob mocked and ridiculed the one who hung there on a cross for them. Was it worth it? Should he give up? Satan knew that everything was at stake now. If Christ died triumphant, Satan was doomed. But, If he could make Christ come down from the cross, or if he could make Christ sin just once, his future was secure. But Calvary decided the controversy. Christ won the decisive victory. 
Satan knew he was defeated. He knew Christ's death meant that he, Satan, would die. But Satan was not about to give up. He flung his full fury against the resurrected, the ascended Christ. He would throw all his energy against Christ by attempting to make the cross of no avail. You see, if you and I, if we neglect what happened that day on the cross, then it would be of no value and Satan would still come out the winner. He would invest everything, everything, to make the cross of no effect to you and I. You see, even though Christ has won that cosmic war on the cross, the Bible does speak of a final judgment at the end of time when this great controversy will meet its final resolution. You see, in fact, it makes no sense to have a final judgment if there is no cosmic controversy needing resolution. The Bible says the wicked dead are resurrected to face their creator and savior and to receive their final judgment along with Satan and his angels. And what is this final judgment? It's God's self-revelation providing overwhelming evidence that convinces all created beings that God is just, that God is gracious, and that God is loving. It's true, God's character was revealed there at Calvary, but only a few saw Jesus die. How could he possibly show the others? Well, what? What if he replays the scenes of the cross across the canvas of the heavens? The saved and the lost would gaze upon this greatest revelation of God. And here they would see that God poured out all of his love to save every single human. And here they would see that Satan and his friends did everything to try to kill the one who had given them life in the beginning. The contrast between Christ and Satan would be stark and shattering. Then each one would realize on that judgment day that their destiny was, not, was decided not arbitrarily by a vengeful God, but that their destiny was, cited, was decided on the basis of whether they accepted or rejected Christ's death for them as a ransom for their sin. In the light of Calvary, the saved will say, Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. And for the first time, they see this utter contrast between Christ and Satan. They realize that only God is love. But they also realize that they don't love him. That they are unfit for a life with God. The Bible says they want to be hidden from God. Sin has separated them from their Savior. There will be this universal acknowledgement 
of God's love and justice that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. You know, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 13, Then I heard every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that are in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Then every created being will realize that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. All will realize, for God is love. And on that, the universal cosmic conflict will come to an end. Let us pray. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, your mercy, and the grace that you just freely pour out on us as undeserving as we are. And in that love, we thank you for Jesus who took it upon himself to die in our place that one day we may live. Father, I pray that if anyone has not accepted the gift of eternal life being offered right now through Jesus Christ, that they may claim him as personal savior right now. Bless each and every person within the sound of my voice. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a great resource for you today so that you can better understand this cosmic controversy. It's called The Great Hope. We'd like you to have this book. If you would like it, here's the information you need to request your copy. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, let me thank you so much for watching the program. Hey, be sure to let your friends and family know to tune in. If you've ever missed one of our programs, you can go on our website, l4ltv.com. All of the programs are available there for viewing, for sharing, 
They're on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Follow me on Instagram, at Santos underscore Bill. Every day, I post at least one little video uh, on Instagram. We'd love to have you share those with your friends also. We're all out of time. Thank you so much for being with us. Hope to do this again next time. God bless you.